Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Who, uh, who am I? Oh, well, it's simply me, your judge, John Hodgman. Oh, bailiff, my bailiff, Jesse Thorne has the week off, but I am in chambers with some of our favorite summer friends to clear the docket. I know that I've been in New York for much of the summer, most of the summer, because I've been working on a little project for Hulu called up here, so I haven't been able to visit as I would normally do with my summertime fun time friend, Monty Belmonte. Hi, Monty. Hello, Judge John Hodgman. Monty Belmonte, of course, is up there in the northwest of the northeast, Northampton, Massachusetts, WRSI, the river, 93.9 frequency modulation. And of course, even further north and further east is our friend, Joel, the main man, man. Hello, Joel. Hello, Judge. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. I'm doing as okay as possible. And you sound as even keeled and affectless as always. Joel up there at WERU 89.9 FM community radio up there in Orono, Maine, serving Orono. Where else? Blue Hill, Bar Harbor. You get to Bar Harbor. Does your signal get out there? Ellsworth. Oh, even as far as Ellsworth, everybody. The solar powered sounds of WERU. Joel Mann, uh, welcome back to the United States. I don't want to tell on your personal business, but you were that's fine. You were traveling abroad in France because of what? My daughter got married. Your daughter got married. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. That's so wonderful. Very proud. Very proud. Yeah. And um, you know, initially I was I was going to try to sneak up to Maine for a weekend, and uh, and I had a I had a Monday. And I was like, I said to Jennifer Marmer, who's also with us. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. I said to Jennifer Marmer, and you can tell me if I'm, you can tell him if I'm a liar. I said, can we get Joel Mann? Can I, I can go into WERU on this one Monday. Cause I had the day, I had a couple of days off. So I went up to see my family up in Maine. And she said, I think Joel Mann is in France seeing his daughter get married. And I said, bull roar, call him back. That's no <laughs> excuse. Come back. <laughs> But you wouldn't do it, would you, Joel? Not this time. Any other time, I would have. I guess. I guess your daughter getting married is more important than this podcast, but only by a hair. Only by a hair. And Monty, what'd you do today? What'd you do today up there in in, in Northampton? Did you host your uh, morning radio show? I did. I How'd had a, a nice show. It was pretty good. We were. Uh, then I went out to lunch with my friend, who's a Northampton resident and author. So it's been a quite a nice day. Now I get to talk to you and Joel Mann. Who's this? Who's this famous other famous friend you got now? Northampton author, National Book Award winning author Jeannie Birdsall, author of the Penderwicks. The Penderwicks? That's very famous. Yes, young adult series. It is. I love it. It's a great series. All right. I, guess I, I would guess be having lunch with you if you came to visit Western Mass. All right. I was, wondering when the, I was wondering when the guilt was going to kick in. It I was going to try to start guilting you, but you had guilted me. Yeah, I still have abandonment issues. Uh, no, well, you, I've not abandoned you. I simply haven't returned for years. <laughs> not abandonment. You you came out for to Western Mass for the Solid Sound Festival, though, so I did get to see you. Not That's in Northampton. I, did, but I in, did get to see you at Solid in, Sound, and I think we need to do another event at the, at the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls. Don't you agree? I would love that. Let's hope that the ongoing pandemic allows it. But in the meantime... We assembled a docket of all New England style cases, that is to say, thick and creamy, 
Not with red tomato sauce? Not with red tomato. We're talking about New England style justice chowder. Yeah, uh, love it. Thick and creamy and flavored with thyme. And the three of us are going to bring down some New England justice. The states of New England, of course, are Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. And that's it. Am I missing any, Monty? Massachusetts. Nope. It's not a state. It's a commonwealth. Gotcha. Ah, you did. And, and then there's one other. There is one other. Technically, one. Connecticut. Technically. No, not technically. technically fully is a New England state. They got a lobster roll. They got to be a state. But, you know, we were we last time we did a New England docket, the three of us together. We uh, we were underrepresented in Rhode Island or maybe proportionately re- represented Rhode Island because Rhode Island is a small state in the union. They call it little right. roadie. You know, we have a non-democratic Senate that apportions equal votes to states that are large and depopulated to states that are smaller and densely populated. And so people complain like, why does South Dakota have as many senators as the Bronx? But no one stops to say, why does Rhode Island get a senator at all? (laughs) (laughs) A little thing. Here's a case from Elsa in Bristol, Rhode Island. Do you know where that is? I was married very near there. Oh, in really? Warren, Rhode Island. Yes. Colt State Park in Warren, Rhode Island. Love Rhode Island. Maybe you'll recognize Elsa from her case. My husband, Dan, often refers to the social gatherings we host together as, quote, my events. For example, a couple of weeks ago, we planned to have some family over for a cookout. Dan asked his brother if he knew what he was bringing to, quote, Elsa's thing. This is, how, this is what it's probably sounded like. Hey, what are you bringing to Elsa's thing? That's a Rhode Island accent. What are you bringing to, what are you bringing to Elsa's thing? Right. Elsa's thing. That's a Rhode Island accent. Or if I asked Dan to please ask one of the guests to bring X, you know, something like a gallon of scallops, for example. Dan will often say to the guest that, hey, Elsa wants you to bring a gallon of scallops to her thing. This makes it sound like I'm hosting the party and that Dan is simply a person who happens to be in the house at the same time. I should note that Dan is always a fine and helpful co-host But as we are a married couple living in the same house, Dan should refer to these gatherings as our party rather than my thing. And I asked Elsa how long they've been a couple. They've they've been together for 11 years and married for six of those years. So I have a question uh, for for you, Monty, and for you, Joel. Who hosts the things at your houses? If you have a cookout, who is the host, would you say? We both are. Co-hosts, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would ask the husband why he puts it that way. I would too, but we don't have him here, so we can just be mean about him no, without him no. around. Well, yeah. I can maybe answer for him because I feel very similar to this, where I think a lot of it, for me personally, when it comes to interactions with human beings on a friendship level, I am painfully shy and <laughs> afraid to what? invite people to a gathering at my house. It like what? takes all of my courage and muster to say, please come to this thing. So whenever there is a gathering at our house, it is clearly my wife who has orchestrated it. So that could be one reason why it would be Elsa's thing. The other reason could be how long have I he known doesn't you? Really, you have not sh- how are you shy? When have I ever gone to you and said, hey, Hodgman, do you want to go do this thing with me? You're a secret introvert is what you're saying. Yes. So I have a friend who I've known for 42 years and my when I was a child in my backyard, his backyard was adjacent to mine. I would walk back and forth in my backyard in the hopes that he would see me in the backyard and come over because I am terrified I'm going to impose. Here's my Hodgman anecdote. You were 
uh, playing with They Might Be Giants at the Calvin Theater in Northampton. I was you providing like, some narration. I was not jamming with them. Well, right. You were there as part of the show. And you said, text me and we'll hang out after the show. And I was like, oh, my God, terrified. I'm going to have to. He might change his mind. I might be imposing. So I texted you and there was no response. So I yeah, went home. I changed And my then mind. you texted me later and <laughs> you're like, hey, where are you? And I said, oh, I texted you and there was no response. So I went home and you're like, hi, <laughs> I told you we were going to hang out after. And uh, that's how I, I am. That's but how that's I roll. not your fault. That's my fault. I was a terrible. I didn't respond in time. Because I, I think was, my point is, I'm terrified of the I was rejection. Too busy having that may the come greatest with, time of my life with they might be giants. I'm sure you were. The hangout was that they might be John Flansburg and me going like, "Hey, what's up? Did you see that TV show? Okay, I got to go home. <laughs> too tired." Yeah. Well, Joel, are you a secret introvert? Yeah, I guess I am kind of. Yeah. I don't think yeah, it's the, I don't think the, it's a secret. Yeah. yeah. You have a natural I just, a flinty reticence. I, I just say, "Hey, you want to come over so, for some scallops?" and that usually does it. Right. A gallon of scallops sounds amazing, by the way. Yeah, did you get your they gallon are. yet, Joel? I did, and I've worked my way through most of it. And do you have scallop parties or do you just uh sit with your with your bucket? in the middle of the night and enjoy them all yourself uh usually down in the basement in the dark right exactly <laughs> but i know that you have people over right and isn't yeah, there usually yeah. one person who does more than the other well i i usually cook that way i don't have to talk to anybody there we go I, that's a great yeah, trick so, yeah that's a great trick for shy guys have you had any uh, cookouts this summer uh, not a whole lot because we've been away for most of the month. But, yeah, I get uh, it. You went to France. I got know. it. Yeah, yeah. Sit in the cafes, you know, little spritz. <laughs> Did you wear a little beret? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Got one for the for for Sweetie Pie though, the, our new little dog. You got a beret for your dog, <laughs> Sweetie Pie? I want to yeah, see a, it. A miniature dachshund, a cocktail <laughs> wiener. I don't know how you could get more miniature than a regular dachshund. I hope you can. <laughs> Would you send a photo so that we can post it on our Judge Sean Hodgman Instagram account? Yeah, I will. I'll do I that. I appreciate that. Joel, <laughs> Monty's theory is that Dan is just shy, and that's why he says this is Elsa's thing. What do you think about that? Do you, have, do you agree or do you have a different theory about this guy? I, I have a different theory. I mean, it's one thing to be shy, but when you're given a party, I mean, you know, everybody's a part of it. So I would never say, hey, come over to Michelle's thing. Right. That, that just doesn't seem right. Do you, why do you think he's doing this, though? I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I think it's something a lot deeper than we have time to uh, analyze right now. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of worrisome yeah. that he would approach it that way. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, I, I think there's something deeper, but I definitely think we have time to say, Dan, you're being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he could just be resentful of having to have a party and not want a party. Too. True. He could be an introvert. He could be, and just like, he could be shy. Yeah. He could feel uncomfortable about it. Not want the party. He may not want the party, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's part of the deal of being married. Jennifer Marmon, do you have a theory as to why Dan doesn't want to say that it's his party, too? Yeah. And I just want to say that it would be weird for him to be resentful about having his own family over, assuming that the family gets along and there are no issues. Um, I think he doesn't want to be responsible 
for this party or gathering mm. in any way. And so if you keep saying, yeah, just uh, bring this to Elsa's thing, you know, it puts the onus on her. Yeah, I think that you're right, Jennifer, that on some level there is just a simple desire to evade responsibility. The responsibilities of being a host um, mean you have to be there for other people. You have to entertain your guests. You have to um, be be available to them. Um, and if you are shy or introverted, and really what you just want to do is sit inside on a on a chair and and play a video game while your mommy wife takes care of your uh, mom and dad and brothers and sisters for you. And I don't know that that's what's going on here, but that is an impulse that is natural that that and yet must be. Uh, uh, resisted because uh, when you get married, you enter into a partnership, and it's absolutely true that there is often one person or another who sort of just de facto becomes the more hosty of the of the hosts. In my relationship, uh, my wife, who's a whole human being in her own right, is a little bit more introverted than I am. She's she's a wonderful host when she decides to be one, but I'm often initiating like get-togethers or at least i was doing this before the pandemic began and then i realized just how wonderful introversion is i may never host a party again in my life but back then back when i was saying hey mommy come on over and drink vodka in my basement i that that was me i was like let's have them over let's have a good time and yet my wife is a whole human being all right would never say this is john's thing she would say welcome to our house I would want to know if after the party was over and it was really great, does he say, did you enjoy our party or? Oh, right. Does he, you know? Look, it's very tempting to not think particularly charitable about Dan of, of Bristol, Rhode Island here. Can I act as Dan's lawyer since I sort of have? it? it Elsa does say, yeah. I should note that Dan is always a fine and helpful co-host. So really, right. if he's having a hard time navigating this party scene emotionally and the his only... Uh, shortcoming is referring to it as Elsa's thing, but is still otherwise holding down the fort when he needs to. I think he should be allowed to call it Elsa's thing. It's just calling it a thing. He's still acting appropriately during the event itself. Well, let, I, you're very smart to bring that up, Monty, because she does say that Dan is a fine and helpful co-host. So he is not simply sitting inside on his Nintendo Switch, getting his mommy wife to take care of his own family for him. He is not doing that, so I'm sorry that I slandered Dan that way. But I would argue that if you are a fine and helpful co-host and, and fulfilling those duties, that's the hard part. The easy part is to simply say, our party. There is no, it does not cost anything to simply say, our thing. Because his whole marriage, that's your plural thing, not your singular. In France, Joel, as you know, they have different forms of you for singular and plural. To or vu. <laughs> mm -hmm. But here in the United States, we have such a backwards language. We only have you or you or you for singular and plural. And I'll never say y'all because I'm not from the South. Maybe Use. he loves her so much he wants to give her all the credit. Maybe that's it. Whatever. We'll Maybe. never know what's going on in Dan's head. Probably Elsa will never know. But Dan, if you're listening... Elsa would prefer for you to say it is our party rather than Elsa's thing. And I think that that's a very reasonable ask. And if that's 
a problem for you, then you can interrogate that a little between the two of you, Elsa and Dan. But yeah, as, as long, but the one thing that you don't want to do is be, I, well, I mean, there are many things you don't want to do, but if you're, a, if you're a dude and a heterosexual couple, don't foist off party hosting to your wife. Here's something from Monique in Cranston, Rhode Island. After dating long distance, I recently moved in with my partner, Kevin, here in Rhode Island. Yeah, we get it. Rhode Island. Got it. <laughs> Kevin organizes utensils by size rather than by type. For example, the space that is designated for forks, which is literally shaped like a fork in the drawer, contains small spoons and small forks. The space designated for spoons, again, shaped like a spoon in the drawer, contains large spoons and large forks. Kevin says this makes it easier to find a small spoon for eating ice cream. However, this makes putting away clean dishes very difficult because you must compare utensils to one another in order to know how they size up. Please order him to organize the drawer by type. Monty, what do you think about this? This is an infuriating case. Why is this? Why does this speak to you? Because forks belong with forks and spoons belong with spoons. And if you're only logic for organizing it in this way is to find a small spoon for ice cream. You need to find, take a small spoon and make it your own and put it somewhere else where you can always find it and let order prevail in your household. First of all, that, that ice cream, since we're in Rhode Island, is going to be coffee ice cream covered in coffee syrup. Mm. Ideally, autocrat brand coffee syrup. The best coffee mm -hmm. syrup <laughs> named for a despot. <laughs> or maybe it's a cabinet, right. which is a Rhode Island style milkshake a slash wrap. That's right. A cabinet called a cabinet, presumably because of the New England accent instead of a carbonate, a cabinet. Oh, I didn't know that. That is an, ex that is an explanation I've heard for that. Joel, are you still there? I'm still here. And that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't live that way. You're talking about my ex my explanation of cabinet is carbonate or the way that kevin puts his, the spoons and forks away both yeah <laughs> can you imagine dating long distance like i dated my wife was a whole human being in her own right for a long time long distance we didn't live together or even in the same cities for much of our early relationship so you develop your whole way of being in the world without compromise in your home, unless you have roommates. But even then, it's like you have your room, you have your way of doing things. Jennifer Marmer, can you imagine dating someone long distance? No. First, first of all, no. <laughs> Never done it. <laughs> all right, but now, but see if you can put yourself okay, in Monique's okay. shoes. Okay, I'm there. You're there in Cranston, Rhode Island. Well, no, Kevin's there in Cranston, Rhode Island. Monique is elsewhere. Oh, right. She moved in with Kevin, right? Yes, yes, yes. Kevin is like, come to my little state. Yeah. And Mo Mo Monique is living it up in South Dakota or whatever. And mm -hmm. Kevin's like, move to Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why? We've got two senators here. And he's like, so do we. Move here. Can you imagine moving in with someone? You've, you've been dating someone. You're going to make a life with someone. You've never lived with them. You move in and you move into his house and you discover forks in the spoon spot? No, thanks. No. That would be almost disqualifying. Yeah. That's why long distance relationships just don't work. They worked in my case. But you knew the difference between a fork and a spoon. I know. But that doesn't mean that my wife is a whole human being in her own right necessarily does. Let me tell you something. I'm, this summer, we're basically back to long distance. 
because she's up there in Maine with our son. Our daughter's, I don't know where she is, somewhere in the world. I'm down here in Brooklyn. You know that I'm putting my forks away the way I want down here in Brooklyn. I'm doing dishes the way I want, do everything the way I want by myself. When I came back up to visit Maine when you were away, Joel, mm. I opened up the utensil drawer. Let me tell you something. It's a very simple system. There are three slots. <laughs> there are three three sections. One is for spatulas or things that resemble spatulas. One is for spoons or other scoops, and one is for tongs. That's all. Simple. Paddles, tongs, scoops. I open up that utensil drawer. It's chaos in there. Somehow there's a can opener in there. Everything's all mixed up. I go away for two weeks and all of a sudden the paddles are in the scoop trough. But that's okay. That's what happens. People who live alone, as you are forced to do when you're dating long distance, they make up their own systems. And boy, oh boy, is it a different world. Let me tell you something, Monty and Joel. When you, when you move back into your apartment where you live most of the time with your family and a dumb cat and none of them are around and there is nothing in there except the, the empty sound of the humming air conditioner and you, it is very disorienting. When there mm. is no, I feel like I'm either in prison or a monastery. But it's more of a monastery because there is no one to judge me but God or whatever in this place. I could be putting spoons in the fork thing all day long. No one would ever know. I took a three-hour nap in the middle of the day yesterday. I could have gone on all day. No one would know about my indolence. I could wear clothes to bed. I could do anything. It's really weird when you've been living with someone. And one thing I really began to appreciate, I could understand on a sort of um, conceptual level, how hard it was for single people throughout this pandemic and especially during the hard lockdown period because I can't go out and do anything now because of our production COVID protocols. Like I, there's very little that's worth the risk of getting COVID and throwing the production off, you know? So I'm stuck the way people were stuck and still are stuck if they're dealing with immunocompromised issues or whatever just stuck alone. It is hard to do. No wonder you come up with weird new systems. No wonder you become like Kevin, a little twisted in the brain. And, and, so, and if you're living alone before you start living your life with someone else and you start thinking, I've got a new system, I'm going to put my small ice cream spoon in this little fork cutout. But Kevin, you're not alone anymore. You're not alone anymore. You got to put those forks in the fork thing. Got to put the spoons in the spoon thing. You are joining your life with someone else. And that means not only compromise, but scrutiny. And meanwhile, this message is to my wife, who's a whole human being in her own right. It's scoops, tongs, paddles. It's very simple. Scoops, tongs, paddles from left to right. <laughs> you know what? It's hard being by yourself. So do it whatever way you want. I don't care. When you're by yourself, do it whatever way you want. It doesn't matter. But when you're sharing a life with someone else, you got to conform to some basic rules and just I think Monty your suggestion is very good get a little jelly jar and put a bunch of small ice cream spoons in it and you'll always know where to go for that ice cream spoon I'm starting to wonder if this is uh, an allegory or some sort of euphemism from Monique and Cranston because they're just moving in together 
and maybe Kevin wants to fork when she just wants to spoon. And they're getting conflated. They're getting mixed up. you got to read each other's signals a little bit better. Jennifer Marmer. Yes. I think we're running long, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're going to leave that in, right? Are we? We should really cut it, but we're going to leave it in. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break <laughs> to hear from this week's partners. When we come back, we'll be moving on to Vermont, another state in New England, with more cases to clear from the Doctor of the Judge, Sean Hodgman podcast. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. 
Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week, I am clearing the docket with our friends from New England, summertime, funtime bailiff Monty Belmonte of WRSI The River in Northampton, Massachusetts. Hello, Monty. Hello. And of course, we have Joel, the main man, man up there at WERU 89.9 FM in Orland, Maine. Hello, Joel. Bonjour, monsieur. Um, (laughs) How are you going to get him back on the farm once he's been over to Paris? Here's something from Kate in Vermont. Vermont, named for the Green Mountains. Our friend Dana claims that the state of New York exports maple syrup to Vermont, which Vermont supposedly then resells as Vermont syrup. She insists this is true, even though she has no evidence to support her contention. She even asserts that New York is doing Vermont a favor by helping it meet demand. We want an injunction preventing Dana from making such blasphemous false claims, as well as damages for her wanton disregard for the purity and sanctity of the Vermont maple syrup supply. Now, I know Kate, she has been a regular guest on my occasional Instagram live slash Twitch stream, Get Your Pets. Her cat is named Moxie. Her friend is named Dana. Joel Mann, have you ever heard this? I mean, Maine is the is the third biggest producer of maple syrup in the United States after New York, according to my research. Hmm. But no. So you have a dog in this hunt. But if you could if you could set aside any conflict of interest, have you ever heard of New York secretly supplying Vermont with maple syrup to meet demand? Has that ever crossed your mind or has that ever, have you ever heard of that? Never, never, no, never. Right. Monty, what about you? You ever hear that? You ever hear that rumor? I've never heard of that accusation. And I was so uh, confounded by it as a claim that I looked it up at agriculture.vermont.gov. And the most recent report I saw was from 2019. Yeah. And Vermont makes, uh, almost a million gallons more maple syrup than the state of New York. So I can't imagine that they need help from New York and that it would be legal for them to label it this way. Because what I have heard, and I did not verify if this is true or not, is that if if you are in Vermont and you call it maple syrup, it must actually be maple syrup, not like Mrs. Butterworth or what have you. It's maple flavored topping or what have you. Right, but that doesn't mean that all maple syrup sold as Vermont maple syrup legally has to be made in Vermont. It's not impossible that New York could be supplying Vermont with some excess maple syrup. But could they call it Vermont maple syrup? I know, but they could be lying is what I'm saying. No way. Let's take Joel Mann, for example. Joel Mann just got back from Sancerre in France. When you have Sancerre, it is it is protected. You can't call about the wine, wine. is not the, from Sancerre. The Sancerre wine. Sancerre. Yes. Right. Sauvignon right. Blanc, my favorite from there. You got to call it, if it's from Sancerre, you can't can't be from someplace else. It's got to be from Sancerre. Yeah, it's not from Brittany. Vermont maple syrup is Vermont, from Vermont. And it, they can sell New York maple syrup, but they couldn't call it Vermont maple syrup. Yeah, but you're talking about uh, France has legal legal regulations over this. But you can't, any bubbly wine that does not come from the Champagne region cannot be called Champagne. Not legally. That said, there there was a story once that only only whiskey that came from Kentucky, I think Bourbon County, Kentucky, could be called bourbon. 
but that's not true. There are tons of hipster New York distilleries making bourbon all the time. We don't have that domain of origin protection here in the United States. I don't know that there's a law about the labeling of maple syrup. I just looked that up too. agriculture.vermont.gov. One, no person shall label any maple syrup, maple product, maple flavored product, or artificial maple flavored product in any manner which is untruthful, unfair, or deceptive. I would say that taking maple syrup from New York and labeling it Vermont maple syrup would break that law. I saw that PDF too. Where did it come from again? It came from agriculture.vermont.gov. Yeah, it comes from the state of Vermont. You don't think that they have a stake in this? You don't think that they've uh, tapped a huge stake into into this tree? Here's the thing. These things I know are true. Vermont is the number one producer of maple syrup in the United States. In 2018, they tapped close to 2 million gallons of maple syrup. New York comes after that. Less than half of Vermont's output, 806,000 gallons in 2018. Then comes Maine, 539,000 gallons. All of them, all of them, Vermont, New York, Maine, completely overshadowed by Canada. Vermont, get over yourself. Canada is making 12.5 million gallons. 12.5 million. That's triple all of the United States. That's 71% of the world's pure maple syrup. But here's the thing. Vermont, maple syrup, it's got its cachet. I don't know if there's legal regulation. I don't know because I've not done the research. And you know who else hasn't done the research? Dana. I asked Kate, did Dana provide any evidence? I checked back in with her. Has Dana ever provided any evidence? Dana said, I don't have the numbers at hand right now. (laughs) I'm not here to do your maple syrup homework, Dana. I don't believe you're telling the truth. But if you want to do the research and prove it, or if anyone out there wants to do the research and prove that there is a secret pipeline of maple syrup from New York to Vermont, I would love I'd love to blow the lid off of that. I'd love to put agriculture.vermont.gov in their place. Because obviously, obviously they're crooked. Crooked is a maple tree branch. There are more, there's more tappable trees in New York state than any other state, far more than Vermont. So they should by rights be making more maple syrup. The only explanation would be that it's less industrialized in New York. But they could be pipelining into Vermont. It could be happening. I'd love to blow the lid off this bottle of maple syrup. So come on, everybody. If you're listening, go out there, get to work, and let me know what you hear. Until then, I say Dana's wrong. Here's something from Stephen in Winthrop, Maine. My husband, Kenneth, prefers to drive whenever possible. He places his GPS device down in the console beneath the shift where he has to look away from the road to see directions. I guess this is probably his phone, right? phone with his with his maps on it Mm -hmm. i've offered to provide a stand for the dashboard or air vent so that he has his phone in front of him but he says he's never had a dash mounted device that stays put he also says a dash mounted device clutters the console we drove home from dinner last night from the la region of maine where's that joel la uh lewiston auburn that's right i love la yeah to our home i love it to our home in Winthrop, in the rain, in the dark. I believe there's a firm line that overrides a person's taste when it comes to safety. When Kenneth looks away from the road, especially in inclement weather, he crosses that line. He won't budge for me, but I will. I believe he would honor your, the judge's decision, 
if you order him to mount the GPS device on the dash. Naturally, I too would honor a decision if things weren't to go my way, but they will go my way because I am right. Hmm. I'm going to say something here that's going to be a little controversial, Monty and, and Joel. Uh-oh. Sometimes when I'm navigating, particularly when I'm driving my the Jeep around in Maine, I'll put the phone with the maps on it in the cup holder. Because Kenneth isn't wrong. The, those air vent mounts for the phones, they'll just pop right off. They'll pop off at any old time. You go over a bump, you go over what you call a frost heave in Maine. You ever hear of a frost heave, Joel? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yep. I can tell from your voice you don't like the sound. You don't like to think no. about frost heaves. <laughs> no, not, no. You bump, you bump over a frost heave, all of a sudden... Uh, a frost heave, of course, is a like a, a, an eruption when the when the ground thaws. I'm, I'm trying to explain. I don't understand how it works. It's just bad. It's just a lump in the road. <laughs> you pop over that. You're driving your jeep. You pop over that. You got your phone in a in a vent holder. That vent holder pops off your phone, and you don't have any doors on your jeep. Guess what? Goodbye to your phone. So I've done what Kenneth is doing. But is it good? What's the most irresponsible thing you've ever done in a car, Monty, while driving? I hydroplaned a week after I got my license and smashed into a Jersey barrier and totaled the car. Oh, no, so, really? Well, you were mm, a child it wasn't quite. Yeah, I don't know if it would be quite irresponsible, but it no, was but that's not the very closest good driving. Call. That's the closest yeah. call. That's terrifying. Yes, it was. You ever hit a moose, Joel, up there in Maine? I came really close, like within inches. Wow. Right. Yeah, coming home late at night, all the equipment behind me, and it was just uh, the good thing they just move so slow that you can usually miss them. Did you maneuver out of its way, or did you? I just hit the brakes and tried to go straight. And what did Very it do scary. then? He just looked at me and moved on. Yeah, these are, these are I mean, I, I was just, when you said hydroplaning, Monty, I remembered one time it was a rainy day, and uh, we were out there in western Massachusetts, and our children wanted to go to Mass Mocha, the, the the incredible art museum in North Adams, Massachusetts. And I don't ever want to deny my children art. I'm like, oh, the weather's pretty bad though. It's kind of it's kind of rough when you drive over the mountain and back down into that other valley over there. Have you got to drive through Florida, Massachusetts? You ever you know what I'm talking about? The top of the mountain there. Delicious oranges there. Yeah. Well, we got up to Florida and at the top of the mountain, it was snowing. We couldn't get through. I'm like, this isn't safe. We drove back down the mountain and then I, I tapped the brakes just to slow down. My brakes locked and I spun out into Yikes. a ditch. It was terrifying. terrifying. Now, I, I wasn't using my GPS at the time. I knew the way. But the thing is, Kenneth, you got to remember, you are driving a weapon of destruction when you drive that car. And if you hit a moose or a Jersey barrier, it will change the course of your life. Potentially catastrophically. And when I look down into the couple of the Jeep to check my route on the GPS, I know that I'm doing something wrong. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm never going to do it again. You got to mount that phone. You got to mount that phone. I don't care if it looks cluttered on the dash and particularly at night. In the rain, you should be handing your phone to your husband, Stephen, and have him tell you where to go. 
work together. But no, you got to give all your attention to the road. All of your attention, put your eyes in front of you. Any disagreement there, everybody? I'd recommend getting a Bluetooth or an aux cable and then let the uh, GPS person tell you exactly Ooh. where you're supposed to go. Then you don't have to look at all. You can keep your eyes on the road and you just listen. Jennifer Marmer raised her finger in, in agreement with that. Correct, Jennifer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, get an aux cable. We just navigate by the stars. <laughs> you can't take your eyes off the road to look up at the stars either. And what, what's this no. phone you're talking about? Yeah, that's right. That's why you keep your, your sunroof open even in the dead of winter so you can look up and check yeah. out where Polaris is. Yeah. Right. Let's take a quick break. When come when we come back, more New England disputes. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I am here with Summertime Fun Time bailiff Monty Belmonte, as well as our main man in Maine, Joel Mann of WRSI The River and WERU-FM, respectively. WRSI The River, of course, is the radio station in Northampton, Massachusetts, where Monty hosts the morning show every weekday morning. Is that correct, Monty? That's correct. And if you you can probably listen to it on a website somewhere, right? WRSI.something? Dot com. Shamelessly and, commercial. And you can also, if, you're, if, 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 if this is your preference, and I think it should be, Subscribe to A Week of Mornings with Monty Belmonte, where the best of Monty's morning shows are collected every week in one fun chunk. That's one fun chunk of a podcast, Monty. I like it a lot. Thank you. Gives me a chance to keep up with you, your fam, hear what's happening in the old Pioneer Valley there in Western Massachusetts. And Joel, of course, you are the, what, you're the program director up there at uh, WERU Community Radio. Yep, yep, that's me. So you're the one who tells them to play all that hippie music? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a, one of the true last true freeform stations, right? The DJs pick whatever they want. They do, regardless. And <laughs> Regardless of how many times you tell them to play Joe Bird and the Field Hippies, they'll play whatever right. they want. Right. Yeah. 
I'll say I pick my own music too. By the way, though. Yeah, no, no, but of not course, the last. Of, one. of course, of course. And uh, and yours is, but but WERU is a community supported radio station. It runs entirely on community donations, correct? Yes, and volunteers. And volunteers. So if you want to go check out WERU, they play some incredible uh, uh, Acadian music on. Is it Sunday mornings? Uh, Sunday eleven to one. What is the name of that show? Acadia Highway. Incredible. Oh, they should change it to Incredible Acadian Music on Sundays. <laughs> uh, and among many other great programs, go to weru.org.org and support it if you can. It's a great radio station. Here's something from Sean in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Here we are now in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Marblehead. How do you say it in Massachusetts? Marblehead. Right. My wife Kelly and I live in the scenic coastal town of, go ahead. Marblehead. Massachusetts, where the wind blows mightily off the ocean coast. Kelly insists on sleeping with the windows open, even during the coldest February nights. As a bald man, no amount of blankets can keep my head warm. Kelly insists that I wear a winter hat to bed. This blatant baldism must end. Please let Kelly, my wife, know that if it is cold enough to wear a winter hat in our room, that maybe we should close the window at night? Monty, I see you're laughing at this. Do you, do, does this resonate with you and your... I mean, I'm looking at your 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 wonderful clean-shaven head. Yes. The only time I've had to do that is when I have had the unfortunate uh, experiences of camping and I had to wear a winter hat to bed. But I am the one who usually wants the room very cold. And right. if I am too cold, I just pull the covers all the way up over my head and right. sleep totally under the covers. In Agreed. the winter... In the winter, now obviously you're inland, so it's warmer in the valley than it is in the in the town of say it again, Marblehead, which is on the coast. You don't get those ocean winds, right? In the winter, do you sleep with the with the windows open? No, I think it's irresponsible if you're heating your house to have the windows open at mm-hmm. night unless you are totally shut the heat off and then do what you will. But then your pipes are going to freeze. Joel, what do you think about this? Well, my uh, significant other, Michelle, she does have her window open, but on my side of the bed where my bald head lies, uh, it's closed, and I'm fine with it. Like Monty says, I just pull the covers up over my head. (laughs) Jennifer, why are you laughing? I could never. I don't have a bald head, but the thought of sleeping with the cover all the way over my head sounds... Terrible. <laughs> I like it. Sometimes you just got to get away. Okay. To each their own. Yeah. I don't ever want to sleep with the covers over my head. <laughs> that reminds me too much of when I was a child and I was scared that I was going to be possessed by the devil. <laughs> it's also, also, I sleep hot. I understand where Kelly is coming from because I do sleep hot. I very rarely will sleep with covers on, never mind, over my head. But is it okay to sleep with the windows open in Marblehead, Massachusetts? I'll tell you what. Earlier in the pandemic, when school was canceled for much of the winter of uh, 2020 to 2021, we, we went up there to spend almost a full winter in Maine. And I loved it. Mm. Winters in Maine have gotten a little mild, haven't they, Joel? Yes, they have. Like last winter was nothing. Nothing. Did you ever use that snowblower or no? I got to use it uh, twice. 
two times. Yeah, yeah. So it's really yeah. paying off. <laughs> <laughs> the winter before that was a little bit colder because I know because I would often open the window before going to bed and I would stick my head out the window and peer into the utter darkness of the woods with the bay just beyond them and listen to the silence and feel the bite of the wind on my cheeks. And I would do that for a while and breathe deeply and just breathe death into my lungs and think about the end of all things and the utter darkness that awaits for us all. And I found it to be so calming at this stage of my life, so meditative and wonderful. And then I would go to bed, but I would close the window. Of course I would close the window. <laughs> of course I would close the window. I mean, I get it, but Kelly, this is what we're talking about. If you were living by yourself in, what's the name of the town again? Marblehead. Right. If you were living by yourself in, go ahead. Marblehead. Then you could do whatever you want. You could put the ice cream spoons in the fork drawer. You could put the spatulas where the scoops go. You could sleep with the window open all day long. You could become one of the great New England eccentrics, of which there are many. Right, Joel? Yes, at least a few of us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you could become Joel Mann. But no, Joel shares his life with another human and an and extremely small dachshund. With a cute ray. But if you wanted to, you could open that window alone and breathe in the dark abyss of New England winter all night long. And you'd probably sleep better than you'd ever sleep in your life. Certainly you'd sleep better than sharing a bed with Sean. Because the fact is we all die alone and we all sleep alone when it comes down to it. Sorry, kids. Sorry to be morbid. We're in New England now. This is what we think about. But you choose not to be alone, don't you? You choose to share your life there in, say it again, Monty. Marblehead. Yeah, you choose to share your life there in, go ahead. Marblehead. With Sean. And while you're sharing that life with him, you, 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 you can't do whatever you want. You can't do whatever you want. And while wearing a hat at night, I mean, people have been doing it since Scrooge times. Certainly there are, certainly exists as a, as a thing. If, if Sean's not comfortable in, in that hat, then, then I don't think you have the right to force him to wear that hat just because you want to waste your heating oil, especially these days. Expensive. Sleep with the window open in the wintertime. Nightcaps are for before bed, not during sleep. Close the window. Can I make one more comment? Please. I mean, it, it is called Mobblehead, which to me should be indicative of the fact that your gleaming bald head should be able to proudly shine yeah. day and night. Yeah. So as a bald man myself. Let his head shine in the moonlight like marble. Marble. I tried, I tried my best. A beacon in the dark. That's right. You did good. You did yeah. Good. If you cover up Sean's shining head, those ships are going to hit the rocks. Exactly. <laughs> Sean's got a job to do. And that's to reflect <laughs> the moonlight for schooners. <laughs> <laughs> the docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Our editor is Valerie Moffat. Jennifer, Monty, Joel, Valerie, listening in the edit. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, you can listen to Monty at WRSI The River. Monty, do you have anything coming up in Northampton that you want people to know about? At the Shea Theater? at the Or uh, 
or whatever else you might be up to? Yeah, you can check out all of our listings at SheaTheater.org. It's a nonprofit community theater that I'm on the board of, and there's all sorts of fun stuff happening, including Whiskey Treaty Roadshow is coming up. But soon, wait, what, I will what, what, be... Um, what roadshow? It's a local band from Western Mass called Whiskey Treaty Roadshow. They're playing Sounds in great. September. Right. Yeah, and hopefully the return of Judge John Hodgman sometime this winter. Yes, please. Um, and I will be kicking off the, uh, the 14th March for the Food Bank that I do for Western Mass by going to... The White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, Health, and Hunger uh, that the White House is putting on and that Congressman Jim McGovern, our congressman from the 2nd Congressional District, has been pushing for for a long time. So be listening for that broadcast uh, sometime this month. Fantastic. And Joel Mann, thank you so much for joining us up there in Orland, Maine at WERU, the solar-powered studios of WERU.org, 89.9 FM on your radio dial. Uh, what's going on up there? I hope to I hope to get up there and see you sometime soon. Um, it's it's September now. Is the are you still playing jazz on the porch of the Pentagoa Inn or no? Yep, we're at the Pentagoa Inn every uh, Tuesday, five to eight, and we're down at the uh, Homeport um, Inn in Searsport every Sunday, five to eight. This is the Night and Day Trio. Yeah, the Night and Day you, Trio. You you play bass. Yep, Mister Mr. O, o plays reeds. Yes, yes. He's retired he's, now. He's retired Very, from teaching, but not from yeah. your jazz trio, I trust. No, no, no. He's uh, he's still 100% doing the music. And then Chris on guitar and vocals, and uh, we're just having a great time. Hope you can come see us. You'll be playing the Pentagon in through the month until October, would you say, or what? Yeah, up until Columbus Day, and then we'll see what happens. Usually Fantastic. everybody disappears by then, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Stay safe up there. I hope to come and see see you uh, lay down some jazz tunes soon. Well, great to talk to everybody. Until then, thank you very much. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We will talk to you then. Goodbye. Open the window, Monty. I want to feel the cold air of death. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.